From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, after the House passed the nearly $2 trillion blue state bailout bill, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the Senate will immediately turn to the measure that goes way beyond dealing with the fallout of the coronavirus. As early as tomorrow, the Senate will begin work on the American Rescue Plan. As the country faces a series of historic challenges, we must meet the moment with a historic response. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton is here with more. Also on Capitol Hill. Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. That was New York Congressman Jerry Nadler responding to Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe, who quoted the Bible during the debate over the Equality Act in the House. Congressman Stubbe joins us later here on Washington Watch. Congressman Nadler's view that God's will is of no concern to this Congress may be true of this Congress, but that's not been true throughout the history of the Congress and the country. FRC Vice President for Christian Resources, Dr. Keenan Curitan, puts Nadler's comments in perspective. And we talked about this last week, but how serious is the threat of liberal members of Congress using their political leverage that they have right now in the majority to shut down the speech of those they disagree with? We'll talk about it with Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. By the way, my thanks to the American Family Radio Network. They're hosting us in their studios in Tupelo, Mississippi today. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, that's right, on Gab, check it out, Gab.com. It's at Tony underscore Perkins, at Tony underscore Perkins. And if you'd like to join me each morning for our two-year journey through the Bible, Stand on the Word, you can join me either on Facebook or go to TonyPerkins.com for about a 10-minute devotional on today's reading. Today we're in Jeremiah. You can find it at TonyPerkins.com. All right, the Senate now has the $2 trillion hot potato called the American Rescue Plan. The measure will provide hundreds of millions of dollars to mismanaged blue states that killed their revenue sources by killing economic activity with their onerous coronavirus shutdowns. They uh, also in the bill initially coming out of the House was a more than doubling of the minimum wage that's uh, being put aside in the Senate because the parliamentarian says doesn't pass the bird rule. What else might have to come out of the nearly true two trillion dollar bill? Well, joining us to talk about it, U.S. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Senator, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, it's good to be back on with you. All right, so the hot potato now is over in the Senate. What's going to happen? Well, uh, Tony, first off, let me just say about the coronavirus. Um, I saw what Joe Biden said today. He said on the one hand he was left with a mess, and they've said for weeks that the Trump administration has no plan. On the other hand, all Americans are going to be able to get a vaccine if they want it by the end of May, uh, fewer than 90 days from now. Uh, Both of those things can't be true. And what is true is that he was handed a medical miracle thanks to – Thanks to the laws that we passed last year that provided money for Operation Warp Speed and thanks to President Trump's leadership and the leadership of those involved in Operation Warp Speed, we have not one, not two, but three vaccines that are essentially 100 percent effective against severe conditions of coronavirus, hospitalization and death. If the Democrats and all their propeller heads had been in charge last year, we all know that we would have still been years away from it because they never would have cut the Gordian knots and eliminated the red tape necessary to do so. And and now they they can't do that. That's inconsistent the way they govern. But let me let me let me go back one step further, because I want to put this in perspective for our listeners. We've talked about it here with you before. But had the Democrats not been wrapped up in conspiracy theories, we would have been paying attention to this virus earlier and we probably would have had it resolved sooner uh, because you were sounding the alarm about the coronavirus long before it was on the radar screen of most because they were pursuing conspiracy theories. I I did. I I started sounding the alarm, Tony, in mid-January of last year in the middle of the president's impeachment trial, his first impeachment trial. Um, And it wasn't for several weeks later that Congress finally got around to passing our first substantial bill related to the coronavirus. And now Joe Biden is saying that, well, there's no time to waste to pass this new bill, the, the Biden bankruptcy bill, because it's going to bankrupt America, the Pelosi payoff. One, one reason I think he thinks there's no time left is he's worried that as the virus 
cases continued to decline or plateau at lower levels than they were just two months ago, and vaccination rates surge and states reopen, that the American people are going to realize that this is not about battling a once-in-a-century pandemic. This is about paying off Democratic clients and constituencies. I mean, just look at some of the stuff that's in this bill, Tony. You mentioned the blue state bailout. The bill is going to give billions of dollars to states like California, who have been fiscally mismanaged for years and who didn't even lose money last year. Tony, California has more tax dollars this year than it did last year, yet Congress is about to give California billions of dollars. You could say the same thing over and over again about other Democratic states, and that's because part of the way they're uh, triggering the formula is unemployment rates. Well, who's got the higher unemployment rates, Tony? States with Democratic governors who have kept their states on lockdown since March. Or, or so, look, at another, look at another measure in here. This has not gotten much attention, so I, I just want to stress it to your sure. audience. Um, normal Americans, you know, Tony, working, just a working guy down in South Louisiana who goes out on a rig every two weeks, they're going to get their one-time $1,400 payment, one time. Federal employees are going to get that $1,400 payment, and in addition, if they are caring for a child whose school is closed, they are going to get $1,400 every single week for 15 weeks, up to $21,000 for federal employees, for bureaucrats sitting in the swamp whose kids can't go to school, while all the working men and women across America just get one-time $1,400 check. That's crazy that we are going to essentially subsidize federal bureaucrats whose local cities and school boards are not opening their schools. And they don't want to in many cases. And they'll have even less reason to do so now because the kids' moms and dads are going to be getting $1,400 a week from your, from your tax dollars. And to, to go back to put in perspective what you were talking about, how Joe Biden says we've got to move quickly, is if they don't move quickly, they'll miss using this crisis to advance their agenda. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, they, again, they are acting as if it were still late December when cases had peaked, when the vaccine had just been rolled out and states were still testing out the most effective methods to distribute it. It's two plus months later. Cases are as low as they were in October, Tony, and warm weather is on the way. And every American, according to Joe Biden today, will be able to get a vaccine in fewer than 90 days. Yet they still want to spend $2 trillion that we don't have, 90 percent of which goes to things other than coronavirus. Right. right. And what I find amazing is that they, as you talk about the speed with which they want to pass this, I mean, they had to be drug kicking and screaming to the previous smaller relief bills that focused more uh, narrowly on coronavirus relief. Well, yeah, that's because we passed one at the height, or I'm sorry, the beginning of the pandemic last March, the CARES Act. Everything since then has largely built on what we did in the CARES Act. The Republican uh, Party in the Senate was willing to pass a bill last July, last August, last September. The Democratic Party in the House objected. Why? Because Nancy Pelosi would rather have an issue for a campaign than a solution for the American people. Now, it turned out not to work for her. They lost seats in the House. Right. She's got the smallest right. majority in 80 years. But only after the election did she finally come back to the table and negotiate another bill. That's why, that's why there's no reason for them to take a party-line approach here. Look, we passed five-plus bills last year related to coronavirus. Many of them passed unanimously. They passed in the Senate on average with more than 90 votes. It is clear that Senate Republicans were willing to cooperate and work in a bipartisan fashion to address the genuine needs that our country may have. What we are not willing to do is spend hundreds of billions of dollars of your tax dollars bailing out poorly run states or subsidizing teachers unions who still to this day refuse to go back to school, even if they're given priority access to the vaccine, and 95 percent of the money of which is not even going to be spent on this school year. That's what we're not willing to right, do. Right, right. While private schools are fighting to be able to be to be able to meet and teach their kids. Uh, I, I want to go to some of the particulars in the bill that are of great concern to me, this is something that the the Republicans in the previous bills made sure that the Hyde protections were there, uh, the Helms protections to keep uh, taxpayers from being forced into partnership with abortion providers like Planned Parenthood. That's not in this bill. Not Those in protections the bill. are gone. Yeah. 
not in the bill. But it's not in it's not in the foreign aid sections of the bill, uh, the parts of the bill that would spend tax dollars to try to promote uh, vaccination overseas. It's not in the bill uh, when it comes to the domestic spending either. Our legislation last year, in every instance, ensured that affiliates of Planned Parenthood could not get your tax dollars. That is taken out of this bill. Another thing that's in, that's in there is health care for illegal immigrants. You know, the Biden administration right now is facing a crisis at our southern border. I predicted this all of last year. It's like, look, if you promise amnesty, if you promise to reinstate catch and release at our border, if you promise health care for illegal aliens, guess what you're going to have? More illegal aliens at your border. That's what they're getting right now, even though it's the dead of winter. Imagine what it will be like in 60 days. But well, in when bill, you take, they're promising health care for illegal aliens. Well, of course, when you, t- when you take the fence down the border and put it up around the Capitol, uh, that, that, that's what happens. Um, I just send those National Guard troops that are going to be permanently stationed there at the Capitol down to the border. That's a clear contrast between the previous administration and this administration. Clear contrast. Yeah, they they would uh, rather put a fence around your United States Capitol than a fence at our southern border. Um, so now, of course, if we can decide contrast. if we can decide who comes and goes and that we can keep some of those inside the Capitol complex, I think I'd be happy. But, I mean, look at at what what is happening at the southern border. I mean, uh, President Trump had negotiated agreements with Mexico and Central American countries to keep their nationals in Mexico where they could have an orderly process to adjudicate their asylum claims. And it was working. The Biden administration is affirmatively seeking them out, Tony. They're recruiting them to come to the border. This is not catch and release. This is recruit and release. They're saying, please, come back, and we'll let you in this time. Yeah. I I went to the border uh, actually a couple of times and saw that. As the president put that in place where it had stemmed the tide of those illegally crossing the border, it was processing them, uh, you know, in an orderly fashion, slowing it down, obviously. uh, But the crisis on the border was over. Yep, that's exactly right. And look what we are now in the middle of in the middle of winter when Texas is just two weeks away from a brutal freezing storm. You had more migrant children showing up at our border than any February in recent times. What do they think is going to happen in April when it's hot in Mexico and Texas? I want to go back to the Senator Cotton. I want to go back to the bill for a moment because you'll be voting on it most likely this week Uh, because it's on reconciliation. It only requires 51 votes to pass, meaning they don't really need any Republican support to get this through if all the Democrats stick together. So two questions. Will any Republicans uh, vote for this and will all the Democrats ultimately support it? So to my knowledge, no Republican senator is preparing to vote for this. I can't imagine who would, uh, given that this is almost nothing to do with the coronavirus, almost entirely just a payoff to Democratic Party clients and patrons and constituencies. Um, Second, I have to imagine that in the end they're going to get all 50 Democratic votes. There's probably a lot of arm twisting and a lot of hollering and squealing going on behind closed doors right now, Tony. Um, But they view this as their number one priority. This is their way to pay off all the people who have been supporting them and their campaigns for decades. Um, And maybe a controversial amendment here, they'll get adopted. But I suspect in the end the Democrats are going to walk the plank on this, but they'll pay the price next year in the election. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We saw this back in 2009 and 10 with Obamacare. It cost them the majority. So I think you're absolutely right. Senator Tom Cotton, uh, as always, great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you. And, folks, look, it doesn't matter if you feel like, well, my voice won't matter. You need to contact your senators anyway. Uh, there are so many owner's provisions of this bill that have to be stopped. So I encourage you. Make the context to, uh, to to find out how to contact them. Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about God in Congress. Some don't want him there. Don't go away. We're back after this. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. 
There's a daily reading, just a couple of chapters a day, with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins on Gab. Check it out, Gab.com. All right, last week during the uh, debate on the Equality Act, which Friday and Saturday, early morning Saturday is when uh, the House finally passed it. But, uh, or actually it was earlier last week. But when they were debate was going on, um, Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida said, look, I'm going to speak truth on the House floor. In fact, I'm just going to let you play the clip. I got a clip of what he had to say on the House floor during the debate of the Equality Act. The gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. Gentlemen will suspend. The House will be in order. Uh, his comments, and prior to that, he actually quoted Deuteronomy 22.5. It uh, got a few people upset in, in the House. In fact, they had to call the House to order uh, because people were objecting the fact that he was, how dare he bring up the word of God in the Congress. So after that, after he left the floor, after he finished his uh, his time, his remarks, then Congressman Jerry Nadler of New York, who was handling the bill for the Senate, he's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, this was his response. Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Pretty clear statement, if you ask me. Joining me now with more, Greg Stubbe represents the 17th District of Florida. Greg, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. All right, so you uh, you created a little uh, stir there on the House floor by uh, saying, look, I'm going to share some truth, and you read Scripture. Uh, several of the Democratic members have kind of lashed out uh, based upon that. Now, were you surprised by the response? I was surprised that Chairman Nadler would say something like that, uh, religious tradition. Well, first of all, it's not religious tradition. It's the Word of God I read directly from Scripture, from the Bible, and even quoted um, an explanation in Tony Evans' commentary Bible on the floor. It wasn't my interpretation. It was actually the Word of God. 
and it's not religious tradition. It is God's word, and you can either believe in God and and his word, or you can reject it. Everybody is free to make that choice. But it was interesting how quick um, they stood up and tried to knock down, not me, but the word of God on the floor. And you heard the member stand up and, uh, and say that the House was not in order, and it was because while I was speaking, a number of Democrats started making noises, started talking amongst themselves, dissenting, and obviously having problems with the direction that my speech was going to the point where another member had to stand up and, and have the speaker at the time quiet the house so that I could continue. And after Nadler, there was a uh, Al Green got up, and all I could hear as I was leaving the chamber was, how dare you use God? Well, if it's that offensive to you, then that means that the word of God is that offensive to you, because all I did was quote scripture and uh, an explanation from Tony Evans' Bible. And uh, it was in, I, I think it's very telling, and it should be telling to the American people that the Democrats believe that God and godly values and biblical principles have no place in their Democratic-led Congress. Well, the irony of Nadler's comment is right in front of him, not more than 20 feet elevated above the presiding officer, yep. are the words, in God we trust. Um, that's pretty clear. And it's the Judeo-Christian God for which that uh, is etched in the marble in that chamber, because that has been the view of this country. Yeah, and I so wish that the way the rules work, you only have a certain amount of time, I so wish I had the opportunity to respond to him with that, because when I looked up after I was interrupted, I looked up and that's exactly what I saw. And so it's interesting that we're going to say and reject that religious traditions, as he calls it, it's just the word of God, but how the word of God and God is rejected in the Democratic Congress, yet, just as you said, right above the speaker's rostrum, are the only words that I see on the House floor in God we trust. What I also found interesting, uh, Congressman Stubbe, is how the left rush to defend Jerry Nadler. Now, let me just, for the benefit of our listeners, and I know you're on the Judiciary Committee, and I think you were in the committee uh, back in 2019 when he dropped So God Help Me from the oath uh, that witnesses Correct. had to take before the committee, in, uh, and uh, Mike Johnson challenged him on that. Of course, we had the Democratic Convention uh, this past summer where they dropped God from the pledge. So, I mean, there's a history here. It, it's very clear there's a history here. But uh, when when people began to respond to Nadler's comments um, to to what he had to say to you, you had the USA Today come to his assistance with uh, or his defense with a headline saying, quote, falsely attributed to Jerry Nadler. You had PolitiFact following said Jerry Nadler didn't say God has no authority in the House of Representatives. So while some people may have paraphrased, it was very clear. Take your God and your Bible and leave them out of this Congress. And that's how they operate the floor. That's how they operate the the Congress, their committees, that is their belief, and they are doing everything they can to remove biblical principles, to remove God, and quite frankly, to remove our the values as Americans from our nation's laws. In the Judiciary Committee that Jerry Nadler chairs, we made a, a rule amendment and simply asked to be able to stand up as Republicans and Democrats together and say the Pledge of Allegiance before meetings. We do it on the floor, but not all members are on the floor every day of of the opening of Congress. Let's do it in committee. And you should have heard the outcry from every single Democratic member, how dare we want to do that. So it's not just God and and the Bible and our religious Judeo-Christian principles that, that, that is the underpinning of our nation, but it's also our nation itself. I mean, they get offended by the fact that Republicans want to stand up with Democrats and have the Pledge of Allegiance to our flag before committee meetings. Incredible. Well, uh, Congressman Stubbe, you're to be commended for bringing truth to the House floor and not shrinking back in the face of a a hostile cancel culture. And quite frankly, I, I would hope that pastors would take courage for a member of Congress standing up on the floor quoting the scripture that pastors would speak more directly to these issues of this gender confusion that is sweeping our country. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, Congressman Greg Stubbe of, uh, of Florida.
And if you uh, if you live in Florida, I would certainly encourage you to send him a note and thank him. In fact, you don't have to live in Florida. Uh, just go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over, and, and thank him for standing boldly for truth. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the history of God in Congress. Don't go away. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's Tony underscore, at Tony underscore Perkins. If you're not on Gab, you can be on Gab, Gab.com. All right, lest uh, you forget, I, I, I want to replay this clip of Jerry Nadler responding to Congressman Greg Stubbe Reading from the Bible, he actually read Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing, for the Lord your God to test anyone who does this. And he went on to explain about the whole gender confusion thing and how we reject God's truth at great peril to us as a nation. Here again, Jerry Nadler's response. Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Well... It may not be the concern of this Congress under the ungodly leadership of individuals like Nancy Pelosi and Jerry Nadler, who clearly have an issue with God as they've tried to remove him from the oath, the pledge, uh, don't want him mentioned on the floor. And as uh, Greg was mentioning, the hissing, uh, there's actually been a couple of other occasions where that's happened. It's, it's very telling. Leave it at that. But that's not always been the case. In fact, there have been uh, very clear, uh, very clear occasions in history where Congress has made known their reliance upon and dependence upon God, and the fact that He has a key role to play in the government of our nation. Join me now to talk more about this, Dr. Keenan Curitan, Vice President for Christian Resources here at the Family Research Council. Keenan, welcome to the program. Hey, Tony, glad to be with you. So, uh, Jerry Nadler's comments, uh, God, there's no place for God in this Congress, uh, no concern uh, of his. That's not been the viewpoint of most of the history of this country. No, you're you're exactly right, Tony. Maybe not this Congress, but you just have to go back to the very first federal Congress under the U.S. Constitution and look at the congressional record. 
God's will was of great concern to our founding fathers. In fact, that first federal Congress uh, chose a former Lutheran pastor, Frederick Muhlenberg, as the Speaker of the House. In fact, you can see his uh, portrait there in the hall before you go into the chamber. Um, and, of course, both the, the House and the Senate planned the inauguration of the first president, George Washington, April 30 of that same year, 1789, took place in Federal Hall there in New York City, uh, which was our nation's capital. And following uh, his taking of the oath of office on the Bible, in which he inserted those words that Congressman Nadler's having trouble adding to the oath, right, so help me God, uh, President Washington and the Congress went to the Senate chamber where Washington delivered his inaugural address, and he set the tone of submission to the will of God. And he warned, he said, the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. In other words, if we want God's blessing as a nation, we must obey his will expressed in his word. And then we also know that after that address, Washington and the Congress proceeded over to St. Paul's Chapel for a church service where the Senate chaplain, Samuel Prevost, conducted this service, which included scripture readings, prayer, and a sermon. And that was all planned by Congress, by the House and the Senate. The very next day, May 1st, Congress is back in session, and you read this in the record. Speaker Muhlenberg, that Lutheran pastor, presided over the House vote to have paid congress, a paid congressional chaplain to pray over their proceedings, seeking God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dr. William Lynn, a, a Presbyterian preacher there in uh, Philadelphia, was appointed as the first chaplain. A little bit later, July 21st, the House passed the Northwest Ordinance, and Article 3 states religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. They believe religion and morality, God's will expressed in biblical principle, was essential to good government, to all the territories that would be added in an expanding nation. And then on September 24th, that same first Congress approved the Bill of Rights, which includes that first amendment guaranteed to our religious liberty. But a day after the vote, the House resolved to ask President Washington to call for a National Day of Prayer. And there was some debate, Tony, I have to be honest. You go back and read the congressional record. There was a little bit of debate. Uh, there was a congressman from South Carolina, Thomas Tucker, who said, you know, I, I don't know if we, we need to make this thing federal. I think maybe the states ought to do this. But Elias Boudinot, um, whose pastor was just amazing, um, James Caldwell, another story for another day, but he, he put forward the resolution that, that we go ahead and ask the president to do this resolution. And it was Robert Sherman, Roger Sherman of Connecticut, signer of the Declaration, framer of the Constitution. He was there when it was done, right? He spoke up and justified this practice of, of doing a Thanksgiving as warranted by Holy Writ, Scripture. Uh, and, and he said that, you know, this was a, a case in point. He took them back to 1 Kings 8 and 2 Chronicles 6. So he took them back to the scriptures yeah. uh, as the basis for this. And, and you're just scratching the surface yeah. of the history. I mean, we, we're just getting started. Yeah. And we yeah. could keep on going because history oh, is replete with examples of this. Dr. Keenan Curitan, thanks so much for Thank uh, joining us today and for a little history. Folks, that's the history, but if we lose the history and we allow someone else to define it, that will have the ability of shaping who we think we are, which will determine what we become. We've got to hold on to our history. We've got to teach it. And, of course, the big battle is to cancel culture. We talk with Tim Wildman next here on Washington Watch. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, 
Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Two members of Congress from California, Anna Eshoo and Jerry McNerney, uh, they're senior members of the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Communications and Technology, and they're using their powerful purchase to strong-arm cable, satellite, and streaming TV companies into dropping conservative news outlets like One America News and Newsmax. Now, this is just one in a growing number of examples of the left and their intolerance toward opposing thought. Last week, I was was actually, in fact, I I text with her later after this, Kathy McMorris Rogers, who is the ranking member of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, gave opening remarks during a committee hearing on disinformation and extremism in the media. And she took the Democrats to task on what they were trying to do. Here's a clip of what she had to say last week. So today the media is the target, but where does it end? We've already seen liberal ideology pushed in our schools, where we work, the books we read, who we communicate with, how we practice our faith. It's frightening. And you know what the worst part is? People are afraid of a woke and authoritarian system that is getting them fired, canceled, and shamed. And so they're being silent. They have no voice. They can't trust the broken institutions to protect them. This culture of fear is unjust. And this committee should not be using fear to force everyone to be the same or be destroyed. It's abuse of power. And it's a force of a state religion of liberal ideology. I embrace all of us to embrace our fundamental rights that lie at the foundation of a free government by free men. Just a footnote before I proceed. I hope you, when you hear individuals like that on Washington Watch, Kathy, I've got Greg Stubbe on earlier, a couple of things. One, I hope it encourages you to know that many of your efforts have paid off in electing men and women of great conviction and principle, Christian men and women, to Congress. 
we're not quite there at the majority, but very, very close. And when the Republicans, if and when the Republicans take the majority, and I think they will in two years, you have a much more conservative Republican Party than you did just four years ago. And that's because of your involvement. Uh, In the left, they're not going to play these kind of clips. They're not going to have these kind of members on the the television newscast, the cable news programs, because they don't want you to be encouraged. They don't want you to know that they're actually men and women fighting for the things you care about on Capitol Hill. Well, joining me now to talk about this cancel culture and the threat that it poses to freedom uh, is none other than the president of the American Family Association, Tim Wildman. Tim, welcome to Washington Watch. Tony, good to have you with us. Good to have you in Tupelo. That's right. And uh, and again, I mentioned at the top of the program, our uh, gratitude to the American Family Radio uh, Network for hosting us today here in Tupelo, Mississippi. We're broadcasting live uh, in the bunker here in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs> Where the, left, just, where the left can't find us. That's right. I'm just glad it's not too below here in Tupelo. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. Uh, that uh, lady we heard right there, who is she again? Kathy McMorris Rogers. She is uh, a ranking member of the um, uh, Energy and Commerce Committee. You know where Republican. she is from? Or? She is from Washington State. Okay. Well, I would high five her if she were here. That was fantastic. No, was she, she is she's solid. She's, she was a part of the, the House leadership. And... Um, you know, you just don't – I mean, there's a few of, of the conservatives that you hear about, like maybe Louis Gohmert and, and some of the others. But I'm, I'm telling you uh, – I'm not telling you. I'm yeah, saying no. that as a, a, a you're telling speech. You're telling us as someone who knows these people. Yeah. That, like, beginning in 2018, after the Republicans lost the majority – right. What happened is most of those who lost, there were a few good conservatives, but most of them were more moderate. And after Mm -hmm. 2018, there are, to my knowledge, now I could stand corrected, but to my knowledge, there are no longer any openly pro-choice Republicans in the House of Representatives. And in this last election, we saw nearly a dozen uh, pro-life women. Republicans elected to the House. Yeah. There, uh, the, the life issue is no longer even in question in the ranks of Republicans. Yeah, that's great news. Uh, we we count on you, Tony, and and your staff there at the Family Research Council to to keep us informed each day here on AFR. And I know you're on the Bot Radio Network and other Christian radio networks across the country about what's happening in our nation's capital. And I know. You have a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, dealings and relationships with these folks, so you 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 know what you're talking about when you say, overall and in general, we have a much uh, more conservative, much more pro-life House of Representatives than we've had in yeah well, maybe dec- ever ever ever. And, and the same thing's happening in the Senate. Yeah. The same thing's happening in the Senate. Now here's here's the challenge. Obviously, we're not in the majority, but I, I'm just saying now is not the time to right, grow weary right, and well-doing right. because we are so, so close. Yeah. And the point is the engagement, the sacrifice, the involvement that many of our listeners, AFR listeners, Bot Radio Network listeners, and others that are out there who have engaged, folks, yeah. it is not for naught. Yeah, it, it, a lot of things got overshadowed by the presidential right. election, right. and what was lost in that was what all the victories right. that were and, won. And, of course, we got to fix that. That's why we've been encouraging right. getting engaged at the state level for the election reforms. There's <clears throat> 160 bills moving through state legislatures right yeah. now to address those issues. So don't give up. We are yeah. so close to seeing some really, really good things. But the fight is intense. And part of that fight, uh, Tim Wildman, yeah. Is just the ability to speak. The left is frantic. Uh, they are they are moving aggressively to silence uh, opposing voices. And in it, and I just saw this uh, poll out. A uh, Harvard Caps Harris poll uh, was released on uh, Monday. It said six yesterday. Sixty four percent of Americans said they think that the cancel culture poses a threat to freedom. That's both Republican and Democrats. We could be seeing another one of those cases like we saw back in 2009 when they pushed Obamacare through. It caused the Democrats to lose their majority. I think most Americans, whether they're liberal, conservative, 
have a respect for the freedom of speech, and they see that under assault today in America. Well, I think you made the point this morning on our program, uh, it's not the liberals we have a problem with. Right. It's the left. Right. These hardcore, quote, progressives, Abraham Hamilton III calls them regressives. Uh, the, 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 in political terms, they're called progressives. Uh, they're not liberals. They're not classic liberals. Right. I remember my dad, you know, and, and many other conservatives uh, used to go on a program on CNN back in the 80s called Crossfire. Yeah, I was on there. You were on there. Uh, in the waning days of Crossfire. Uh, they had Pat, uh, it started with Pat Buchanan. I forget yeah. the other fellow's name. Uh, but he was a nice liberal curmudgeon. You know, you remember him? I, I, well, I, when I started FRC. Um, Kinsley was on there. Yeah, Michael Kinsley. I was on Chris Matthews' Hardball more than any other program. Yeah. And Chris is a liberal. Exactly. But a classic liberal who yes. who cherishes or respects debate. Yes, yes, yes. So we, we've entered a period, uh, as you say, the last couple, three, four, five years, especially it's ramped up. And that is this this idea that if you disagree with somebody on policy or on politics or issues, they should not be heard and they should be shut up and silenced. And we've never faced this kind of pressure before that I remember. No, uh, but here's the reason before. is yeah. because they've gone They've gone beyond this simple disagreement. They've they've lost touch with reality. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, they're having to defend this notion that you can define your own gender. They're they're having to defend ideas that, that are, unde- are indefensible. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you do? Well, that's why today I noticed that before I came in here, I clicked on uh, the news and uh, Jen Psaki, the spokesperson for President uh, Biden. Uh, she would not comment on the cancel, the cancellation of Dr. Seuss, the doc, and his right. m- mention of his name in the uh, something to read day or whatever it is. Anyway, it's his birthday, Dr. Seuss, and so she would not comment on that. She would only r- refer it to the Department of Education. Well, the reason Jen Psaki won't comment on it is because it's absolutely ridiculous. Right. And to your point, it's indefensible. I, I think we're reaching the. Uh, I, I hope we're reaching the saturation point uh, yeah. on, on this kind of nutty, uh, ridiculous uh, cancel culture. Uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, what you call it, movement. That's what you call it. And now it's it's uh, some of it's ridiculous and, and doesn't affect our everyday lives. However, what these politicians on the left want to do would affect our lives if they were successful. Now, I'm talking about the. Um, the two, the uh, the two Congress, the, Demo- the, the Democrats, what, uh, yeah. I forgot their names. S.U. and McNerney. Okay, they're the ones who want the, uh, uh, they want to get uh, get conservative news channels off. They'll start there, I guess. They would they would soon come after American Family Radio and Bot Radio and others. They want to uh, revoke their license from the FCC. They don't want to. They want to, or they want cable. Co- uh, Cable companies or satellite television delivery services to take them off the air, right. not make them available to their constituents, to their customers. So that's again, that's where they're going with this, and they do this in the name of. Uh, they'll say, "Well, these conservative groups, these Christian groups, they're they're promoting disinformation." You know, have they turned on CNN or MSNBC? <laughs> <laughs> but but see, what they do is clever, really. Oh. Uh, and it works sometimes. Yeah. What they do, they take in, and it's, it's like seeing an automobile accident. Uh, two people, one person on one side of the street, the other person on the other side of the street, and they will describe what happened. Well, both of them have points. It doesn't mean they're necessarily lying. They just saw what they saw. In a lot of discussions on debates and issues, it's that very way of looking at things. You know, well, that, that's well they've, they've said to us, no, only our viewpoint counts. That is a really good point, Tim Wildman. That's why I'm here, Tony. Uh, I, I, I needed I that a lot. I needed to bring the brain trust in here to <laughs> to the radio studio today. No, but it, but here's here's why that's important, and and it really does explain some things because what's happening is that we have no. I cannot remember in history, certainly not in in modern history, where we've had such a divide in our country ideologically, mm-hmm. politically theologically and so our worldview is shaped by that and mm-hmm. so 
you know, if you have a biblical worldview, you're going to see something a particular way. If you have a humanist worldview, you're going to see mm-hmm. it another way. And so we have these two diametrically opposed worldviews. And, of course, you have CNN, you have MSNBC, which has that humanist worldview. You you have some of these others that are more open to a biblical or a traditional worldview, and they see the world differently. Yeah, and, and also, what you're right, absolutely. And and what, what bothers, I think, conservatives more than anything is when these uh, news channels, these fact checkers, these pundits are unfair. Oh, well. They're, they're they're not unfair and biased uh, innocently. No, it's intentional. It, it, that's what bothers right. me more than anything. When you know they know the truth, and I don't yeah. mind. You know, sometimes guys and ladies on our side they mess up too, right? Uh, or they do things that are uh, that uh, we would disagree with. We I think we should be free to say, okay, I disagree with so and so, so and so, even though I. Re- even though I agree with that person in general, I, I disagree on this particular matter. Sure. But the left won't allow you to uh, to express a, a – uh, they don't want to allow you to express a viewpoint. They want to remove you from the discussion. I don't know who that would who they'd be left to uh, debate with. Well, a part of this is – and this is my concern at, yeah. at Family Research Council, why we do Washington Watch and why we're – going to be announcing in the future some other another some other initiatives is that when believers christians we call them sage cons the socially uh, spiritually active governance engaged there's 23 million of those christians out there 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 are listeners when they're not when they hear something you know on sunday the preacher preaching from the bible and it's not being affirmed in what they hear in the news and in the media they know it to be true they know that you know Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 19, have you not read from the beginning that God created the male and female? They know there's only two genders, only two yeah. biological sexes, but that is never affirmed. In fact, it's completely hammered with this thing. If you hold that view, you're intolerant. Yeah. And so it, it's important that there are competing voices that are affirming truth that so many people still in America mm-hmm. hold. Yeah. Christians are being gaslighted by pop culture. Yeah. You know, and we 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 have to we have to support one another. Uh, every once in a while, we have to look at each other and say, "You're not crazy." <laughs> well, and and that's why they want to silence voices right. because when we are speaking truth on those national platforms, yeah. that is exactly what it's telling people: No, you're right. You're not out of step. Right. It's the rest of the culture that's out of sync, and so. By all means, what we must do is continue to speak truth, God's truth, Amen. biblical truth, even in the face of a hostile cancel culture. Absolutely. Amen. We can't give up. We can't quit. And we need, we need to support one another. And we need to be in God's word, first and foremost. Absolutely. And uh, so we can be solidified in our convictions because we know we're standing on truth. And absolutely, we got to keep. Keep on keeping on, as my dad used to say. Well, and we appreciate the fact that uh, Tim Wildman, you and the American Family Radio Network is doing just that. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. And thank you, folks, for joining us as well. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.